Investor intelligence provides general information only. You should consider seeking independent advice to see how this information relates to your unique circumstances. Please refer to the terms and conditions available at investorintelligence.com.au for more. Guys, welcome back and thank you for tuning in to Investor Intelligence, brought to you by the team at The Property Mentors. It's your weekly podcast for all things investment and hosted by me, Phoebe Sikowski-Wallace. Today, I've got the amazing Chelsea Burton joining me for another episode. Now, if you've been listening from the start, you'd know that one of the points that Luke is always reiterating is the importance of having your team of experts around you, one of those experts being your mortgage broker. Now, Chelsea is a senior broker at an independent mortgage broking firm used exclusively by the property mentors that specialize in investment property loans. And this time she's back to talk to me about what to look for in a loan and some of the ins and outs of one that some might not be aware of. So I hope you enjoy. Here's the wonderful Chelsea. So Chelsea Burton, thank you for joining me again. How are you? Oh, my pleasure. I'm good. How are you? Oh, very well. Thank you. So for those who don't know or who haven't listened to the episode that we did together, you're not just any mortgage broker. You're the incredible mortgage broker for us here at The Property Mentors. That's right. And in that first episode together, we spoke about kind of what your role is, uh, how to source the right mortgage broker for you. And then we kind of touched on what was sort of happening in the market at that point in time. Um, But today we're talking loans. And I'm not going to lie. In preparation for this episode, my brain almost melted trying to wrap my head around <laughs> parts of this topic, but your your role requires you to know all this, so I have the utmost faith that you're going to break it all down for me, uh, and by the end of this, I'm going to be that little bit smarter. I will give it my best shot. <laughs> I, I trust you. <laughs> um, but yeah, as I, as I said, we're talking about loans and kind of what to look for in one. So Chelsea, let me start off with a pretty broad question that I think will sort of open up a whole lot of other questions. Mm-hmm. Are all home loans the same? No. Um, all home loans are different and different things suit different people. So, um, and which really depends on your stage of life, what you're looking at doing, um, what sort of facilities are important to you. So, I mean, for starters, there are fixed and variable loans. Mm-hmm. There are loans with principal and interest repayments and interest only repayments. Uh, there are loans with offset accounts, with redraw facilities, with package options. There's a whole variety of them. Mm. And maybe just for people, just say if they haven't heard that first episode we did together and they're just tuning in for this one, do you want to just explain what your role is when it comes to, to all of that? Absolutely. So I'm a mortgage broker and my job is to listen to what you need as a client Um you know, are you looking to build an investment portfolio? Are you looking to refinance your house? Um, what your sort of goals are in terms of uh, savings or your financial future? Uh, look at the all the different options of banks and credit unions that there are out there and then figure out which ones of those are going to suit you the best. And so, you know, uh, there are different lenders out there for if you're 
um, employed or self-employed, if you, um, you know, you know, in your twenties and just getting started out, or if you're sort of later on in life looking towards retirement, there are different lenders that suit different needs. So, my job is to keep abreast of all the different lenders that there are out there and what they're offering and what their sort of niches are. Um, and that way you as a client don't need to go and talk to all of them and figure it out yourself. Cool. So, so you mentioned banks and credit unions. As far as lenders go, are there any kind of other lenders that aren't a bank or a credit union? Uh, there are private funders, but that's not something that most people would look at. Private funding is basically a, a business that um, has its own money and lends it out at high interest rates. So they suit things like, you know, developers or, um, you know, when the, you're doing great big development, um, high-rise developments, that kind of thing, you'll look at private lending as an option for some of that. Mm-hmm. And so is there a difference between a loan for an investment property compared to one that, like a loan for, for a house you want to live in or a property you want to live in? A, a loan is pretty much the same. I mean, the whole point of a loan is a bank gives you money to pay for a house Mm. but you would want different features in your loan so for a house that you're going to live in you'll probably want the loan to be principal and interest because um, interest on a house that you live in isn't tax deductible Mm. um, if the purpose of that loan is to buy the house or to you know fund the house so there's no point in maintaining that loan at the highest possible uh, loan limit so you'll want to pay it down so most of the time an owner-occupied loan would be principal and interest so you're making interest repayments as well as principal repayments um there are very few lenders who will let you go interest only on a house conversely when you're buying an investment property you probably want that to be interest only so you don't make any principal repayments you only pay the interest on the loan um which maintains the maximum tax deductibility but also means that all of your surplus cash flow can go into paying off your actual house or other personal debts. Okay, and and what's the definition um, of principal interest? So principal and interest means that you're paying the interest each month and a portion of the principal, the actual debt that you owe. Gotcha. Yeah, so if you borrow, let's say you borrow $320,000 to buy a house, Mm -hmm. each month you'll pay a portion of that $320,000 back so that at the end of the 30-year loan term, the limit of that loan is zero. Mm, gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. And so you mentioned before there's variable and there's fixed rates. Um, mm-hmm. What's the difference? Talk talk me through them. Yep. So a variable rate varies. So you sign up with the bank at a particular rate, but then every time you know the RBA comes out and says interest rates going up 0.25%, mm. your rate goes up. And then every time they come out saying rates are going down, not every time, but a lot of times the bank will put your rate down. So it, it goes up and down depending on what happens with the RBA mm. and also depending on the bank's profitability because they have to maintain a certain profitability for their shareholders. So they may increase interest rates and they've done this over the last few years um, outside of the RBA actually putting the rate up mm-hmm. just to cover their co- costs and maintain their profitability. Um, A fixed rate, on the other hand, is fixed for a period. So you can fix your rate in for between one and five years um, and that interest rate will stay at that interest rate no matter what happens. Okay. And is that usually because... Uh, there's, there's part of me that sort of thinks, well, wouldn't wouldn't you go a fixed rate if it was quite low? But what's kind of, is there a bit of a catch to a fixed rate? 
So there's a few different things with the fixed rates. Fixed rates um, change far more frequently than variable rates in terms of actually getting on one. Mm. So a bank will um, base their fixed rates on what they think interest rates are going to do over the coming years. Okay. So what you'll notice, so in like late last year, interest rates were, fixed rates were a lot cheaper than variable rates. Now they're significantly higher. Okay. So if you're going on a, a variable rate, you'll probably be paying around about 2.5-3% interest on an investment loan. If you were to fix it, you're probably going to be paying about 4.5% now. Okay. Right? So last year it made sense to fix. This year it doesn't make sense to fix. Right. Because I mean, variable rates have to go up quite a few times before they get to that new fixed rate now. And the reason for that is the banks are seeing that the interest rates are going to increase over the coming years. Mm. As the other issue with fixed rates is that um, it, it's it's fixed. So there's like you're, you're saying to the bank, we will stay with you for that two-year period and we will pay that rate for two years. So if you decide then that you want to move banks or you want to sell that property, the bank can charge you a fee to do so. Uh. And that fee can be quite significant. I mean, I've seen them at zero. I've also seen them over 20000 Wow. Okay. Well, that's yeah. very good to know. So, which just basically depends on how much the interest rate is now versus how much the interest rate was when you fixed. Mm. Okay. So that's something to consider. So can you do a mix? Can you do like a mix of a variable and a fixed rate? Yeah, you certainly okay. can. Yeah. So, yeah. So one thing that we were suggesting last year and earlier this year is that you fix the majority of your loan and keep a portion of it. Um, variable so because on a fixed loan you can't make additional repayments well you can but you can only make depending on the bank five to twenty thousand dollars worth of additional repayments per year and in general offset accounts don't offset interest on fixed rates whereas if you've got um, a variable portion then you can have your offset account linked to that variable portion you can focus on paying down the variable for portion while getting the benefit of the fixed rate on the rest of it mm. But now, again, it's probably not the time to fix your rate because you're looking at four, five, six interest rate rises before your variable rate gets anywhere near the fixed rate. Okay. Which, you know, if you fix for two years, I don't think we're going to get, well, we might, but I don't think we're going to get six interest rate rises over the next two years. Mm. And do they usually, how does it work? And like, do they usually make you pay? As, as if you've got a mix, do they usually make you pay one part before the other or does it kind of depend on the bank or how does that kind of work? No, you make you make two repayments each month, so mm. one to each loan. Okay, okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So you, you mentioned, um, was it one to five years is how long you can fix? or Yes. Okay, okay. And that, and that just yeah. depends on the, the loan and the bank? Yeah, so um, some banks will only let you fix for one or two years. Some will let you fix as long as five years. Usually what we're finding at the moment is your one-year fixed rates are not too bad. Um, your two-year rates are okay. And then three to five years are quite high. Okay, okay. And what what are the kind of impacts on repayments if if only half is fixed? So only the variable portion will change yeah. when rates change. So your fixed rate... That repayment is going to be the same every single month for the fixed period. Mm -hmm. The variable one will change depending on what happens with the interest rates. Um, but interest rates don't change more than once a month. So it's not going to sort of change, you know, every other day. Yeah. 
it, you know, the banks will change it. They'll let you know. They'll give you three weeks' notice that they've changed it and then it'll probably stay there. Yeah. And it might stay there for a year. It could stay there for six months. It'll stay there until the next time the RBA changes the rates. Mm. And they meet once a month. So it only maximum happens once a month. Okay. Okay. Now, something else that um, is kind of within all of this is comparison rates. So when you visit a bank's website, they have a variable rate and then they have a comparison rate. Can you sort of explain what a Mm -hmm. comparison rate is? Yeah. So a comparison rate includes all of the fees. Yeah. So if you've got, um, you know, an application fee, evaluation fee, a legal fee, a discharge fee when you leave the bank, annual fees, all of that rate gets, all of those fees get um, encompassed into the total cost of the loan and the comparison rate says what the total cost of the loan is as an interest rate. So comparing interest rates is one thing, but comparing comparison rates is a more accurate reflection of how much that loan is actually going to cost you. Mm. Okay, so the so the variable is purely just the interest rate by itself. The comparison rate takes into consideration all the fees and kind of all the other costs. So should people be looking at the comparison rate when they're comparing banks more yes. than the variable? Yes, correct. Yeah, so getting the cheapest rate isn't always the best option. Yeah, okay. So if you've got, you know, one bank that's charging 2% and one that's charging 2.1%, mm. but the 2.1% has no ongoing fees, Yeah, there's a good chance that one's going to be cheaper for you. Mm. Okay. So there's a lot to consider there. There's those little, not hidden, but there's those little things that they don't sort of splash on the, the website as, as much as they do just the, the numbers. Exactly. <laughs> so when, um, you, when your broker gives you a breakdown of like potential options and the rates, They'll also give you a, you know, this is the total cost of that loan. And so that's the number you really want to be comparing. Okay, okay, very good to know. The Property Mentors are celebrating their eighth birthday and to celebrate are offering a special one-month membership for brand new members. This special birthday membership not only gets you access to one of our expert mentors for three coaching sessions, but we will also source and present an investment property to you and assist you through the purchase process. Getting started in property investment has never been easier. Visit thepropertymentors.com.au forward slash birthday to join today. So now some loans also come with things like credit cards and extra accounts. So I'm sort of, yeah, specifically talking about the credit cards and maybe redraw accounts. Are you able to talk me through those? Yep. So um, a redraw facility Mm -hmm. is actually your loan. So your loan has a limit and if you put money into that loan, beyond what you're actually required to repay each month, that money sits in the loan account as redraw. So it reduces your limit, but it's available for you to take back into your savings account whenever you want to do that. Mm. Okay. So to give you an example, let's say I have a $400,000 mortgage and I pay $10,000 into that mortgage. Mm-hmm. outside of my repayments, I just paid an extra $10,000 into that mortgage. My my balance of that mortgage is now 390000 but my limit is still 400000 and I can pull back out the difference. Okay. So I can, that 10000 because it's an additional repayment, can actually come back to me into my bank account. 
Mm. So it's kind of, what's the difference between that and sort of an offset account then? The difference is more psychological than anything else. So an offset account is the same kind of thing, but it's a transactional account. So any money that you've got in your offset account offsets the interest that you're paying on the loan, but doesn't actually reduce how much you owe on the loan. Yeah, okay. If you put the money into your redraw facility, then you're actually paying off your loan. Right. So taking that money out means you're increasing your loan rather than just using your own savings. Mm. So even though it's the same money, psychologically people have more issue with taking money out of their redraw than they do spending off their offset account. Yeah, okay. Cause it's, so it's kind of like it's kind of like a savings account that sort of stops you paying interest on your home loan, but you can take out of it, I mean, say, you know, if you had a car crash and you had to pay something off and that was all you had, so you can sort of take out of it, but then it does affect your loan. That's right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so redraw facilities are also not transactional. So you, in general, some banks do have transactional ones, but in general, they're not transactional. So you can't get a visa debit card to spend the money on your home loan, mm. whereas you can get a visa debit card to spend the money in your offset account. Okay. And so, and then also some home loans come with credit cards as well. How, how does that work and kind of what's the draw to those credit cards as opposed to just sort of your regular ones? Yeah. So not all loans come with a a credit card anymore. Mm-hmm. Some of them now come with Visa debit cards. People okay. are a lot less wanting to have credit cards than they used to be. Okay. Um, and so all packages used to be a home loan, an offset account, and a credit card. And the credit card was mandatory. Now there's only a few banks that make it mandatory. But the benefit of having the credit card in your package is that there's no ongoing fee. So with a credit card, ordinarily, when you have you know a, a rewards credit card where you get you know Qantas frequent flyer points or you get, um, you know, rewards points for something, Mm. those cards have annual fees. But in general, when they're part of a home loan package, you don't pay the annual fee. Okay. Is there anything else that people should know kind of looking for a home loan, Chelsea? One question that I get a lot, one statement I get a lot is, I don't want to go with that bank. I've never heard of them before. Okay. Right. So, um, which, you know, if you've got hundreds of thousands of dollars in savings and you're going to put it into a deposit account, that is a fair point. But if it's a home loan, you know, you've got your banks that you've heard of before, you've got your banks that you've never heard of before, and you've got your credit unions that you've never heard of before. Mm. Any one of them that gives you money for a home loan, like you've got to remember that they're giving you the money, not the other way around. Mm. Right. So, People saying, I don't want to use them. What happens if they go broke? I don't, um, I, I would prefer a bank I've heard of. If they're giving you the money and they go broke, they can't take the money back. Mm. So, you know, somebody else will buy the bank and take over and they'll have your, they'll take over your mortgage repayment and you'll have to pay them instead. But the, yeah, the argument of I don't want to use them, I don't, I haven't heard of them doesn't really apply to loans because, it's not you putting hundreds of thousands in their account. It's them putting hundreds of thousands in yours. Oh, okay. Okay. So some people are a bit yeah. wary of maybe not going with the big four because they're the ones that are constantly being spoken about. Exactly. Exactly. But quite often it's the smaller banks that have got better interest rates and smaller banks are more willing to loan money than some of the bigger banks. Mm. Um, and so the loan products can be quite a lot better with smaller banks. So if the bank goes broke, you're not going to lose your house. Mm, okay. And that's and that's something mm. that someone would use a mortgage broker for because, again, like 
the you know the average joe is not going to know things like that and that's the benefit of using someone like yourself absolutely i mean the majority of us will walk into the local branch and ask them for a loan mm. whereas a mo- there are a lot of banks that don't have branches there are a lot of banks that aren't accessible by phone and you know they're all online and um you can't get a loan with them unless you go through a broker you wouldn't know to check for a loan with them unless mm. you go through a broker mm. So brokers give you access to a lot more products. Yeah, yeah. And if you, and you said this in the last episode, which has always stuck with me, but, you know, if one bank um, has one rate going and they know that another bank has a, has a better one going, they're not going to tell you that. Absolutely. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what you're there for. Yeah. So a, a broker has a responsibility to act in their client's best interest. Yeah. No bank has that responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think we're learning that. Um, so, Chelsea, <laughs> so Chelsea, thank you so much for your time today. It's always a pleasure to learn from you. And I know everyone who listens to this is going to walk away having learned something new or in my case, quite a lot. Uh, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. I can't wait to have you back on again. Lovely. Thanks for your time. Guys, as always, thank you so much for listening and I hope you learned something new today. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our episodes for that matter, please share it with your friends and family as it helps us reach more people on their investing journeys. And of course, subscribe if you want to be notified when any of our other episodes drop. If you want to know more about us here at The Property Mentors or you want to book a discovery call with one of our mentors, you can visit our website, thepropertymentors.com.au. If you haven't already got yourself Luke's latest book, Property Fit, please do. It's a very easy read as Luke's done a great job of kind of breaking things down and explaining things that might usually confuse a lot of people. And that is available at propertyfitbook.com.au. Make sure to tune in next week as I've got another mentor featuring and we'll be talking about the common investment mistakes people make, especially when they start out investing. But once again, thank you so much for listening and I will be back in your ears again next week.